Welcome to the Education Technology Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, and joining me today is Matthew Knopf, Upper School Makerspace Coordinator and Engineering Teacher at the Oak Ridge School. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. And, you know, I'm super excited to have you on the show today to chat more about this hands-on learning that you seem to be in charge of at the Oak Ridge School. Thank you. Uh, It's great to be here, and uh, hopefully I can let everyone know some of the great things that we're doing here at Oak Ridge. So I'm really excited to chat with you today about the hands-on learning that you're bringing to students at the Oak Ridge School. Uh, Could you tell me a little more about just the Oak Ridge School in general, uh, where it's at, and sort of what y'all's mission statement is? Uh, Sure. Well, the Oak Ridge School was founded in 1979 in Arlington, Texas, and we are a uh, co-ed, uh, co-educational collegiate preparatory school. Uh, we have approximately 900 students, uh, ages 3 through 12th grade. We really emphasize personal development. Uh, we as a school aim to, to provide an education of the highest quality. We aim to motivate each student to perform at his or her maximum potential, and then ultimately to prepare students for a life of achievement and participation in society. Uh, The mission of the Oak Ridge School is to inspire students to seek their full potential in academics, the arts, and athletics in a challenging and nurturing environment that cultivates social responsibility, mutual respect, and personal integrity. Wow, so it really sounds like you are offering, you know, the, the full plate, the full spread, really getting students acclimated for the real world, but also introducing them to a lot of opportunities to expand their field of view, their interests, and hopefully allow them to um, foster that creative energy. Oh, most definitely. Uh, One of the other neat things about the Oak Ridge School that not a lot of people know about is that we actually have families from 37 different cities around the Metroplex and 18 different countries, uh, students from 18 different countries here at Oak Ridge. So our school really has got a great diverse mixture of cultures, um, ethnicities, backgrounds, and so our students truly do get an experience unlike any other. Yeah, it sounds like you're really offering everything and preparing these students to not only excel in college, but also excel past that and, like you said, be productive members of society. And I, I really like what you said about um, having the, you know, several different families and the several different countries represented in your school. I know for me, when I was going through school, um, you know, sometimes it was tough to see a lot of diversity going through the public school system. And so offering that early on and getting kids exposed to different cultures, different people, different backgrounds, it really does help open your mind up earlier. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's important stuff. Oh, I do too. And that's really one of the great things about Oak Ridge. Um, and I can get into this a little more when I talk about some of the things that I do in my class, but what's really great to see is the mixture of students that we have, how those individual, you know, those kids from all these different backgrounds get together and they can not only work individually, but then they come together and they work in groups and they work in groups seamlessly. Um, you know, that's, the great thing about our kids is that they ju- they accept each other. They want to learn about other, you know, the other kids' backgrounds. They want to learn about these other cultures, and I really do feel that that helps prepare them for the real world. 
Definitely. I mean, because the, the real world is that diverse and you are going to have to encounter people from all walks of life. So, so yeah, it's important to get that conversation started early. So tell me a little bit more about what you do at the Oak Ridge School. Um, what classes do you teach and how are they giving students that hands-on learning that the Oak Ridge School prides itself uh, so much with? Uh, well, I teach two separate courses. Uh, the first course that I teach is the Honors Design Thinking and Technology course. Uh, in my in this first course, it's uh, open to all students that are either freshmen or uh, new students that have never had me as a teacher before. Uh, the whole point of the class is to truly get students to think like designers and not like consumers. And so, some of the first things we do in the class are. We, I take the students through the Stanford Design School Virtual Crash Course or the Stanford D School Virtual Crash Course. And the great thing about this is it is available to anybody. Uh, you can download it on the web and you can use it in your classroom. And it really starts to get students thinking about the design aspect of things instead of just the consumer aspect of things. In addition to that, in this first class, I try to uh, show students all the different types of technologies that are out there, whether it's 3D printing, uh, we do a little bit with robotics, some programming, some woodwork. Um, so kind of show the students the gamut of things that are out there that they can do. After they take the design thinking and technology, the honors design thinking and technology course, they can then enroll the following year in the honors engineering course. Now in the honors engineering course, this is where we really focus on fabrication. So students at the beginning of the course come up with a project proposal. They then have to give that project proposal to myself and a group of administrators who are uh, kind of like a shark tank. And then after their project gets, you know, quote unquote funded, um, they can move forward and then they can actually start building things. And so it's not always about, the neat part about it is it's not always about the end product. Um, I want a space where students are able to fail uh, because I believe fail is first attempt in learning. And at a school at this age, giving students the ability to have failure, to get them to learn how to cope with failure, I think is a big part in their development um, just as a person. And in addition to that, if they learn from their mistakes and they can make those products that they uh, or their projects better, uh, the whole point is is the project better? in your next iteration of it. So I always tell them, your first iteration of your project or your prototype, that should not be your best work. Your best work should be your seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth iteration of your project because there's always something that we can do to make it better. And so like I say, in the honors engineering course, we really focus on the making aspect of it or the fabrication aspect of it where um, it's kind of old school shop class meets new technology where we focus more on the woodworking, the engineering, uh, the building of things, and everything is done from scratch. We do not do kits here. Um, I want the students to learn how to do things um, from the beginning and then finish it all the way to the end. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the stuff that you've said, they're all really important aspects of learning, I think, uh, especially what you mentioned about completing a task, right? Like starting something from the beginning and finishing it. That's such a, a basic sort of thing that people need to learn how to do. But t 
teaching it in such a hands-on way, I think, is is super important. And also what you said about allowing students to fail. I think that's really important, too. And the way that you are creating a space that not only prepares them for the real world and that they will have to complete tasks and deliver on quality and products, but also teaching them that school is for failing and that you can mess up, you can not have a perfect product and build on it, you know, learn from it, don't treat it like you messed up, but like, how can I make this better in the future? Oh, exactly. And that's really, in both courses, that's what I emphasize is when you've made a product and they want to say it's my, you know, final product, well, I'll look at it and I'll go, well, no, I I think we could potentially make it better. Let's take a look back at it. What things could we improve on? And then, you know, we might take it to another uh, section of the course if it's, you know, first period might show their project to second period and the second period class might say, oh, well, have you thought about this? And so that's kind of a really great thing with these projects is when you get different students looking at them, you can get different viewpoints. And from those different viewpoints, uh, you can really get some new learning that occurs there. And so that's why I focus truly on the the process of making each different thing and what have you learned from the process, you know, not just the final product. Uh, because I've had projects that the final product has not worked. But that's okay because they may have, the students have made four or five different iterations of the product. And in each iteration, they've made it better, they've corrected their mistakes, and ultimately, they've learned from it. And that's the biggest thing is, what have the students learned? Definitely, definitely. Putting the emphasis on on making sure that they get something out of the, the whole process, for sure. So earlier you mentioned that you teach two different classes. You have your design thinking and tech class and your honors engineering class. And I really was interested in the separation between both of those and, and the two different things that you're teaching. So let's start with the design thinking and tech class. Um, why do you feel it's important to teach students to think like designers and not just like consumers? Well, I think the most, the, the one of the most important things there is that it really changes some neural connections in the brain. Um, getting students to think in different ways is something that we feel at the Oak Ridge School is essential. We want our students to be critical thinkers. And, I, and my belief is part of that critical thinking is learning to look at things in a different way. And I think that's what that design thinking piece of the class does, is instead of just looking at your iPhone, taking it, consuming all the technology there, well, let's step back from it. Let's take a look at it. Let's figure out, you know, what features do I like? What features do I not like? How of the features that I don't like, how could I improve those? And so it's getting kids to think about things like that. Say, for instance, it's the iPhone, it's their computer, um, it's a gaming software, uh, you name it. I'm just trying to get them to think about how can we improve these products? How can we give the user a better interface? How can we essentially make something that is going to make society better in some way. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be uh, technology-based. I mean, it could be something such as, I had one student one year, he made a portable solar powering, uh, solar power uh, 
charging station for phones. And, you know, the solar panel was a pretty good sized solar panel so we could get enough uh, charge to go through. And so one of my questions constantly to him was, well, how can we redesign this to make it even more portable? Can we shrink it down? Can we compress it? Uh, because the size of it, even though it was, you know, quote unquote mobile, was still pretty large. And so a big part of this class is really getting them to think and push them a little further than they normally would go, um, kind of thinking outside the box, so to speak. So could you give me a brief example of one of the exercises you might do in your design thinking class? Um, you know, what, what would, might you present to your students? And then what would you ask them to look at and um, fix and change? So one of the first things that I get them to do after we go through uh, the design thinking aspect of it is uh, I will, you know, I really I always kind of go to their cell phones. That's one of the first things because every student has a cell phone. And so one of my first questions to them is, let's write down what are the features on the phone that you love? Then what are the features on the phone that you don't love? And then after we've got those two lists down, okay, let's compare them. Let's take a look at them. After we've done that, what features that you didn't love would you change? And then the change and then after they've decided what changes they want to make i start to add that's where you really start to kind of get into the more probing aspect of it as okay how are you going to go about making that change what do you have to do to make that phone better and so uh that's just one exercise to focus on the like i said the design thinking aspect is okay how why and then eventually what are you going to do and then bringing it to the engineering side, once they get into that next class, what is an example of a project or something that a student maybe took from design thinking and then implemented it through the engineering class and then actually tried to apply those changes? Well, one of them was a 3D printed guitar. So I have one of my students who loves playing the guitar. And so I asked him, I said, have you ever thought of playing a guitar on a different medium than either the acoustic guitar on the wood or the electric guitar with kind of a wooden, you know, the wooden bass to it. And he thought about it a little bit and said, well, no, I, you know, I, that's just the way guitars are made. And I said, well, what if we thought about 3D printing a guitar? And so he thought about it a little bit and, well, sure enough, then he goes, yes, I want to 3D print a guitar and see if I can make a working guitar out of 3D printed material. And it took us a year and a half to finally have a finished product, but it was really awesome because each of the 3D printed pieces of the guitar, he had to work and fit them together. Um, it wasn't just one big piece. Uh, he had about eight or nine different small pieces that he had to put together. We then had to buy the strings for it. We actually end up uh, getting a wooden neck for it so it could still have some of the uh, similar acoustics to it um, of an electric guitar. And then we did uh, the wire, wire electric, uh, electric work for it. And sure enough, when you plug it into an amp now, the 3D printed guitar, if you had never played the guitar before, I can almost guarantee you, you would not know whether it was coming from uh, you know, a mass-produced electric electric guitar, or now this 3D printed electric guitar. So 
that was one of those things that was really awesome to see because it was a product that he designed, um, he made all the pieces for, put it all together, and then at the end, uh, it ended up working out really great. What was the reasoning for the Oak Ridge School and for you to bring these opportunities to the students? Have you seen sort of any changes or trends in the real world that led you to want to create more of these design and tech and engineering opportunities for students while, um, you know, still going through school? Uh, Yes. So it's, uh, we were sort of on the forefront of it, but the initial, they called it the maker movement about four years ago. And it was really this movement to get kids to have more hands-on learning, uh, more building things. And it's almost as if we're going back to bringing shop class back to school. And through this movement, what it has allowed us to do is we are now starting to partner with places like Bell Helicopter. Um, we had a couple of engineers from Bell Helicopter come in. And when I showed them the drone that my cla- one of my classes had built, you know, they just thought that that was phenomenal. And then they were saying, hey, we need to get together. Um, we need to, you know, we can have an engineer come out here, work with the kids a little further on, you know, really making it awesome. And so when industry, when people in industry are coming in, seeing what you're doing, and they're telling you you're you're doing the right things, uh, because this is what they need. And I really think that that's part of it is we have talked to, we have a lot of parents who own businesses, we have a lot of parents who are in tech fields. And when you talk to them, and you ask them, okay, what are you looking for when you're hiring somebody? And then they can come back and they can tell you this, you know, we need X, Y, and Z is what we're looking for. Well, that's something that at our level here, we can start to incorporate that into our curriculum and really get these students prepared for when they go to college to continue building on those things that, you know, the the skills essentially that industry needs uh, so that when they get to graduating from college, they're not having a problem finding a job. And they're, you know, becoming not only the, you know, the engineers that say like Bell Helicopter or Lockheed Martin, but they're eventually becoming, you know, the boss um, because we've given them all the skills that they need to be that successful. Um, so that's really where we get a lot of it from is just talking to people in industry, um, talking to parents of students that are in industry and figuring out, okay, what are you guys looking for right now and how can we help foster that? And when do you start to actually see those interests peak in students? You know, when do they actually start expressing interests in STEM fields and in wanting to explore more of that hands-on learning? Is that something that you integrate early on, or is that something you sort of let them express beforehand? Well, we actually start introducing uh, the kind of the STEM slash makerspace um, projects to students already starting in preschool, and so. The way we structure the technology, we call it kind of call it like our technology curriculum, is in our early childhood center, which are ages three, um, like preschool, kindergarten, and then our lower school, which are grades one through four, that stage of a child's life, we really help them focus on exploring, where we really just want to get them, you know, tinkering with things, um, get them exploring things, and focus on just trying out new things, introducing as much new things as we can to them as far as, you know, technology and engineering goes. Then when they get to the middle school level, which is grades five through eight, there 
if students have really started to show an interest, they can kind of hone that further because we have another makerspace in our middle school. And so students can come before school, they can come in after school, uh, they can do stuff during class to go into the makerspace there and make stuff. And so it's really starting to get that fostered then if they start to really show that interest. And then in high school, we actually do have the classes to where if they have that interest, they can take the classes and then they can essentially take that next step in uh, working towards a career in STEM. Playing off of what you just said, um, what do you see for the future of this makerspace movement at the Oak Ridge School, um, both relating to things that you'd like to change just to help make the process a little better, but also looking at um, STEM fields and seeing where they're going in the future and how you'd like to adapt your curriculum to match that? Well, I think one of the big things that uh, we're trying to work in here now and and change a little bit is to get the makerspace into other classrooms. And by that, I mean, get our students that are in a French class or in a chemistry class or in um, a mathematics class to make things in those classes and have some things be hands-on. So for instance, two of my seniors this year had an awesome idea for chemistry. Well, they were they were taking advanced placement chemistry, and long ago they had learned about the Lewis dot structures. And so they do all of these Lewis dot structures. It's kind of a way of moving electrons around and seeing how um, molecular components connect to each other to form to form their bonds. Um, kind of a simple way to look at that, but it's always been on paper, and you've been having to draw these structures on paper. Well, my two students thought, is there a way that we can make this 3D, that we could make this hands-on? Well, sure enough, I had two students this year who created uh, what we call the 3D Lewis dot structure kit. And so they made, out of different color prints, they took, they worked with the chemistry teacher, um, took a look at the periodic table, um, grouped elements together, uh, made little platelets for them. Uh, out of 3D printing material, they made bases where you could put the little plate on the base, and then they made in different colors to represent different bonds, uh, they made these little connectors. And then you could connect the different bases with the plates on them to see, okay, which electron from which element goes where. And so it really brought those things that were formerly on paper to life. And I think that's more of what we want to do is, how can we bring some of these things that are currently on paper how can we bring them to life and how can we get students to really, you know, produce something that is essentially uh, going to be extremely useful to them in the real world? Because not everything we do in the real world is just on pen and paper. Um, there's a lot of hands-on things that you have to know how to do. And so I think that that's one of my goals is to do more cross-curricular work uh, with other teachers you know, say in in the world language department, in the mathematics department, the arts department, um, to, you know, bring the makerspace, you know, like in the history department even, you know, to bring the makerspace to the classroom and figure out what are projects we can do that would take a lesson and make it more project-based versus just um, like paper-based, for instance. You know, I think the biggest change that we're going to make is really getting the kids connected to more 
uh, folks in industry. And that's what I talked about with, you know, having the Bell helicopter people. Um, we're going to try to reach out to like, say, a Lockheed Martin. Um, I have a parent right now that works for Samsung and I reach out to him. Um, so reaching out to these people that we have connections with and then trying to get the kids, you know, tours of factories to get them, you know, talking to these experts in the field. And so I think those are some of the changes that we really want to make is incorporating more of the industry side of things to really show the students, here's what's out there so that when they get to college, you know, for instance, they might have a better idea of what they want to major in versus just simply, I'm going to take 20 different courses and see, you know, and throw something against the wall and see what sticks. Whereas if we can really pique their interest, if we can get them a connection with someone in the industry in high school, well, hopefully they can keep that connection and they can grow that connection. And then by the time they're done with college, you know, maybe there's a job there. Um, but it's really trying to get students more connected to industry. And I think um, we'll, you know, we'll be continuing to add pieces to the makerspace. Um, I've got a lot of different things that I would, you know, love to start to bring in that will continue to help students do more and more awesome projects. Uh, but at the same time, I think that that, like I say, that the next step essentially is to really bring in the quote unquote, you know, titans of industry and um, get our students connected to them. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see where the Oak Ridge School goes in the future, just because the stuff that you're already offering is exciting and innovative. And, you know, I, I look forward to hearing more about where uh, the whole makerspace program ends up going in the future. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it, it's been great to share what we're doing here. And anytime you uh, want to talk, just let me know. Absolutely. And thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Till next time.